0: Why isn't SBF in jail already? Right. What like, the hell's how, going on? What's happening? Is anything happening? Is anyone doing anything about this? And I think this is um, a topical issue, uh, of course, because um, your crypto is really having sort of some introspection in itself and, and asking itself, like, why Why do scammers keep invading this space? And Why do we keep falling for it? How, why, how does this keep happening every time? Um, David, I've been kind of a little bit relaxing over uh, yeah. thanksgiving so not quite as tuned in but i know you've been hard at work preparing this agenda so it's kind of like uh i want to throw it over to you man and just get me up to speed but I, the basic question is the same question i think in a lot, a lot of bankless listeners mind is like what is SBF still doing is anyone going to bring some accountability to this situation what does this look like
1: yeah, it was really the uh, video that surfaced that somebody took of SBF in the Bahamas, like running around in his like backpack and a cargo shorts, and like it was something like twelve, thirteen, fourteen. Days. Bitboy
0: went to the Bahamas, right? I saw. I think that I saw wasn't, that was that wasn't this.
1: Bitboy that recorded that video, but Bitboy, oh, BitBoy is now in the Bahamas. Oh, uh, God. But like we we saw this video of SBF just like running around in the Bahamas, like all right, like. W- why and why is he not in jail why so like we know he did a bunch of illegal things we're gonna go through all of the illegal things that he did but there's this big question is like why isn't anyone outside of crypto taking this seriously
0: well people in the chat david right now are saying uh, jail isn't for rich people right and this is common sentiment is this part of the story here it's just like have we grown that cynical rich people just don't go to jail and he's rich so he's not going to jail
1: Uh, I think that definitely plays a very significant role in this. But it's not just like, oh, if rich, then no jail. There's more to that story, which is a part of the story that we're going to tell here today.
0: Are you going to talk a little bit about mainstream media's coverage yeah. about this too? Because uh, that's been a piece on my on my mind. Um, what, like, why mainstream media is uh, is giving him so much positive coverage? Not all mainstream media, but like some outlets certainly aren't. I don't understand this.
1: Yeah, and there there are some outlets that are giving Sam Bankman Fried the time of day. And also those same outlets also are running like pretty good reports, pretty good accounts. So it's very mixed. Like the New York times and the wall street journal are definitely the big like culprits here. Like these articles that ran pieces as to like, Oh, like Sam Bankman fried says he's sorry. And like forgets about the whole theft of customer (laughs) deposits. And then that same outlet will actually run a decently well, like research report on the whole thing. Uh, And so like, what, what the hell is going on with that? Uh, and and so there's a, a lot to unpack there. Uh, part of this answer, of course, goes into the hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars that Sam Bankman-Fried has donated, uh, not just to the Democrats or other, even the Republicans or to political organizations, but nonprofits as well. And so there's just going to be this massive like audit of the state of money that Sam Bankman-Fried and FTX like sloshed around everywhere. And like, what what do we do about that fact? Because that's a very relevant part of the story too.
0: Well, we're going to talk about all that. And I know toward the end of this episode, you're going to put on your therapist hat a little bit as well. And uh, because I think there's some uh, psychology here, that's maybe persistent psychology that we've seen a pattern emerge across many of these uh, folks that have um, scammed the industry, really. So uh, I want to get to that too. Guys, before we get in, I want to tell you about our friends and sponsors. This is uh, Infura. Um, They are calling all web three infrastructure providers to get early access to their decentralized infrastructure network thinking fear has been criticized as being a centralization vector uh, of ethereum in the past and of course they don't run your individual ethereum node but they run a lot of the archival nodes so they would be like Infura would be maybe behind a Metamask transaction or or something like this. Well, they are taking steps to decentralize the Infura network, which is pretty key. If we're going to build a uh, decentralized future on top of this crypto money system that we have, rather than rely on SBFs of the world, we need to decentralize our data providers, infrastructure providers. I think there's some early access people can get here. David, what are we looking at uh, on the link?
1: Yeah, there is the early access program to the decentralized version of Infura, which exists in the future if we help it come about. Uh, there's been a bunch of controversy in, in Infura in the news lately about just like reporting IP addresses and mapping Ethereum addresses. There was a bunch of nuanced threads that came out of Dan Finley and, and Joseph Lubin. But this is actually not about that. This is about taking the Infera stack, the very important role of RPC endpoints in the way that we broadcast transactions to Ethereum and doing the thing that we love to do in this space, which is decentralizing it. So if you have skills that Infura might want or need to help uh, decentralize their own stack, there is a link in the show notes where you can sign up to help that effort uh, proceed into the frontier.
0: David, as you were uh, talking about that, uh, I was reading the chat window. Someone said, David looking jacked. Man, <laughs> you've been working out over the holidays?
1: <laughs> that, that turkey treating you well? Uh, I have set a goal to climb a mountain in 2023. And so, yeah, I've been going to the gym. Go. climb a mountain
0: not metaphorically you're talking about no an i'm actual, talking a literal mountain, mountain. yeah uh-huh. <laughs> that's cool david in his spare time went away from crypto goes and uh you know does ice climbing up mm. glacial sheets and all, all the risks
1: and... i don't take in crypto i take in my outside adventures <laughs> oh that's <Yeah>. great <laughs>
0: stay healthy my friend that's all i gotta say this show would be pretty boring if it's just me no one would tune in all right so um let's start at the high level mm-hmm. of this story and <laughs> He, here's kind of the, the question. Maybe we need a, a reminder mm-hmm. of like, obviously uh, people have bandied about the word fraud and, and talked about, you know, scammer. There are some legal definitions for what SBF actually did. Right. Maybe we could get into the story, but I want you to kind of remind us because this is the topic of why isn't SBF arrested? And the question of, okay, some people are saying because rich people don't go to jail. Others are saying because he didn't do anything illegal. Can you just remind us of what SBF actually did? And we'll talk about whether it's legal or whether it's not and the nuance there.
1: Yeah, yeah. We got, we got the receipts, of course. And as if anyone listening to this episode like, needs to be reminded. But we're going to go through all of the illegal things that SBF did. Uh, some, some things aren't technically illegal, but they are downstream of illegal things. And so uh, we'll get into all those, uh, those as well. But I want to start, before we get to all of that, with this article out of uh, Fortune uh, Fortune Magazine, which the title of this is just like, Could SBF Go to Prison for the FTX Disaster? Which like the answer is yes. <laughs> you don't. He, you yes. don't even have to ask the question. Yes, he could. But yes. Well,
0: to be fair, this is November thirteenth. So it was a right. while ago.
1: Sure. And also, the audience to this article are like not bankless listeners. They aren't on crypto Twitter. They aren't familiar with FTX. So like, this is still coming from like going out to people that are still trying to get up to speed with the article or with okay. with the events. Uh, and so this article gives out two reasons about like perhaps what like what it would take to get SBF arrested. Uh, and two complications, if you will. First, there's jurisdiction. Uh, so since FTX is an offshore business with headquarters in the Bahamas and did not cater to Americans, defense lawyers could argue that the actions of FTX executives are beyond the reach of U.S. law enforcement. Uh, I'm sure people listening to that are like, hmm, that doesn't sound like that hold But the hold Bahamas
0: up. has jail. Yeah,
1: <laughs> the Bahamas they? also has a jail, yeah.
0: Okay. <laughs> uh,
1: uh, and then the second would be Intent. Uh, or so, like you know, mismanaging your company and losing a bunch of other people's money is technically not criminal. Mismanagement happens all the time. For a criminal case, there has to be like deception, right? Uh, and so these are the two things that we would need to get over in order to prove that SBF needs to go to you jail. Have to prove
0: these in court, right? You know, all of these huh. things, of course.
1: I feel like Ryan that these are <laughs> easy things to prove. Surmountable <laughs> Very obstacles. Very <laughs> surmountable obstacles. <laughs> okay. uh, because, like, reminder: SBF is an American. FTX. Totally serviced American customers. It marketed yes. to Americans. R- remember the Super Bowl ad? Remember FTX Arena? Oh yeah, yeah. I remember that. Like, yeah, they had the best Super Bowl ad. <laughs> yeah. So it's like it was no actually
0: question. coming out of that. It was our favorite. Um, it was Super yeah, Bowl. Ad. It was the, it was our Larry favorite. David. Yeah,
1: it was it was hilarious. Yeah, Larry David, who is now being sued for for doing that, which is ridiculous. But like, okay, so like jurisdiction and intent, uh, like. It, it, jurisdiction i just covered that we don't need to go over like how many americans yeah, lost money in FTX. some
0: intent there i mean the stories of him like cooking the books behind the scenes having right. back door access from like right. one set of books to the other and by the way if he did that i think that's maybe legally technically mm-hmm. like fraud mm-hmm. the bar of fraud but what are we looking at here is this uh yeah you've got a, 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 a police statement. arrest
1: yeah you've got a, a, a statement from the police public affairs and communications department of uh the bah- bahamian Police saying, in light of the collapse of FTX globally and the provision, provisional liquidation of FTX, a team of financial investigators from the, again, Bahaman Financial Crimes Investigation Branch are working closely with the Bahaman Securities Commission to investigate if any criminal misconduct occurred. Uh, right. <laughs> November 13th, 2022. Uh, reminder. <laughs> Criminal misconduct definitely occurred. So, uh, I mean, we're about to get into all of the people that SBF paid money to. Uh, and I would just like to raise the possibility that if SBF donated to both political parties, a bunch of nonprofits, the New York Times, a bunch of media institutions, who are huh. going to go through all of these, is it also possible that FTX also ba- paid off Bahamian regulators? I don't have the answer to that question. I am just posing that question.
0: I don't know what the police are like in the Bahamas, but I, do I don't know to. why I have this stereotype of them being like super chill. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know that that's the case though. Um, but what are we looking at here? One million creditors. Yes. In their bankruptcy filing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when this this um, public affairs communication from from Bahamian police was released two days later, we got the actual bankruptcy filing, which indicated how many creditors were were out of money here. Why why are we pulling this up?
1: Uh, well, because it, it would imply that if there are over one million people or entities who are owed money by FTX, that uh, it's like a you know, uh, what, what's the word? Uh, smoking gun that uh, criminal activity definitely occurred. If like yes. if you owe one million people money. Like people can find. <laughs> what did you do? People can find <laughs> you, some, you we can find something illegal that you probably did. So the sure. like the likelihood is very very strong. Uh, the vast majority of these one million, uh, you know, creditors are again customers. Retail, who did people. not consent to their money being sent to Alameda Research, which mm. is like the main bit of fraud that happened here. Uh, and so there's a bunch of other like things that we're about to go down. Uh, SBF used Alameda Research for customer for trading of customer funds. The illegal backdoor and a b- bespoke bookkeeping system. FTX buying 19 million do- 19 properties in the Bahamas worth 121 million dollars. That's not illegal, uh, <laughs> unless you do it with someone else's money that you yeah. stole. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we're going to get to all of these things and more right after we talk to some of these fantastic sponsors that make the show possible. All right, Ryan. We got a long list of you know criminal activity to go through. You ready? Yeah, let's we'll see okay. the other options. <laughs> uh, and so uh, the CNBC article headline, of course, says Sam Bankman-Fried's Alameda quietly used FTX customer funds for trading, says sources. And of course, this is the big one. This is the big thing. The the umbilical cord between FTX and Alameda is the illegal thing. Um, there's a bunch of other things as well, but this is a matter of like setting up an exchange and then. When you have an exchange, uh, if if you are ever interested in starting an exchange, Ryan, uh, here's how you would do it. You would take in like one customer's Bitcoin and then you would have a one Bitcoin liability to that customer. You would also have one Bitcoin. And so that matches. And so you should never, ever not have the funds that customers deposit. You are meant to be a full reserve institution. These are the words that I remember coming out of a Nick Carter's mouth when I was listening to his podcast. You are meant to be a full reserve institution. Uh, And so the fact that Alameda had this like pipeline of money to trade customers funds is the first obviously very illegal thing to do uh, according to U.S. securities laws, right? Uh, In this same article, Sam Bankman-Free told CNBC, our margin, po- our margin position took a huge hit, implying that FTX sent money to Alameda, who then used it on leverage to gamble on the market. Um, right. perhaps, perhaps there might be some laws uh, inside the United States that say that that might be illegal. Um, and then in the same article, Alameda was allowed to post the FTT tokens it held as c- collateral and bar. And so this is the insane thing. Alameda Research had FTT tokens, which it sent to FTX to post as collateral when it was borrowing the funds. And so I was like, okay, like <laughs> we have this collateral, which FTX totally has the money printer for, but we'll use this collateral to, as like legitimate justification oh, no, to, to, buying cu- to borrowing yes. customer funds. That's yes. insane. It's pretty right. fresh. So, so that's the big one. Uh, There's also the uh, backdoor bespoke bookkeeping system that uh, FTX made themselves. Uh, And so there was a backdoor in their own accounting system that allowed Sam to execute commands that could alter the company's financial records without alerting anyone else in the company, including external auditors. And this was what allowed for the movement of $10 billion in funds to Alameda that didn't trigger any internal or compliance red flags at FTX. I bet you they didn't even have any internal like compliance teams. But, okay, so that, that is, what is that? That is like, there, there's intent there. If you create a backdoor in a bespoke bookkeeping system, I feel like that is uh, evidence of intent, right? Am I crazy? Uh, it seems like it. I mean, that's
0: uh, pretty <laughs> intentful. I mean, you're, that's called cooking the books, right? It's, right. Uh, this is Enron-level
1: fraud. Uh, and then there's the uh, the article about how FTX bought 19 properties for a total of 121 million dollars, uh, and then inside this article it says separately, attorneys for FTX said that one of the company's units, remember how like there's this massive org chart of FTX, spent 300 million dollars in the Bahamas buying homes and vacation properties for its senior staff, and that FTX was of course run as the personal fiefdom of Sam Bankman-Fried. Most of these were luxury beachfront homes. That this is insane. Seventy-two million dollars of like the most expensive property in uh, in the Bahamas. Uh, and the the deeds of these properties, which were again bought by a unit of FTX, were uh, said that these were used as residences for key personnel of FTX. Like I don't think, like it's just dubious. That an exchange or any company would buy this much real estate and for their own like c levels execs but then when you combine that of course with like the fact that they were just using customer deposits to do this is like it's not only dubious like it's illegal to begin with um there's also there's also the fact that sbf took out a 1 billion dollar loan from alameda research a personal loan from alameda research but where did Alameda Research get that money? Well, they got it from FTX. So it was Sam Bankman's frieds Exchange sent it to his prop yeah, really, trading desk. Not, <laughs> look, man, it's
0: not too much to say he was basically using depositors' money as a personal <clears throat> piggy bank. Mm-hmm. It's exactly what he's doing. His personal mm-hmm. piggy bank. Buying Slush property fund. in the Bahamas for his parents mm-hmm. and himself. Okay, so front beautiful property.
1: Here's my favorite one. This is the, uh, the Coindesk article. Uh, and so uh, do, you remember, do you remember when um, FTX wrote, raised $420 million, $420 million, $69,000 for the meme yeah, raise, remember funny. that? It's so, real funny now, isn't it? Super funny. You know what else is super funny? In right. that same raise, SBF sold $3 million of his own equity into that funding. No, no, not $3 million. Oh, th- excuse me. 300. 300 million.
0: 300. 300 those million. are rookie numbers, okay? <laughs> this is SBF world. You got to 100x those numbers.
1: 3 <laughs> So so while FTX raised 420 million, $69,000, Sam Bankman-Fried yeah. personally sold $300 million of his own stake in FTX. Somebody in chat by the way saying his parents are
0: lawyers. Isn't that crazy? The guy <laughs> the guy knows Better than this. Raised by right. lawyers, and this is what's happening. Right. This is what's going on. Yeah.
1: Apparently, at the time when SPF did this, he told previous investors that this was partially to reimburse him for money he spent to buy out Binance's stake in FTX a few months earlier. Um, Dude, but, like, if you're a VC though, and you like just put 420 million, and the
0: founder takes out 300, 300 million, million out of that raise, three quarters of that. <laughs> Do you think something? is happening like alarms are going off in your head and you're being like huh this so we got 120 million of this raise to continue like building the company but founders just taken out 300 million
1: why did this story not come out until now because investors at the time knew this he told investors of ftx during this raise that he did this because that's that's why didn't why didn't they bring this up at the time Look, we'll have to wait for the movie
0: to get all the kind of dramatization details. By the way, did you know that um, Netflix has signed for the rights to this? Among, like, Apple's fighting for it, like, there's going to be so much Good. material. <laughs> Good. <laughs> what, you want the story to be uh, told?
1: Yeah. Yeah, because if they tell the story right. Dramatized? And it, it, yes. If they tell the story right, uh, hopefully, maybe I'm, like, have too much faith in I don't in know that they're going to They're the They're story going right. to tell the difference between DeFi and FTX. Do you think... Am I, naive? I expect you to
0: be very pissed off at the oh. outcome of the stories that are told. We will see, but like, let's take our clue from mainstream media co- coverage okay. right now, it. because that has been very much mixed to terrible coverage. Yeah, maybe emphasis more on the terrible side of things. That's the other mm. part of the story. um Should we pull up? I, I actually don't have a subscription to the New York Times, David. Okay. I forgot to get that prior to the show.
1: But um, what is this New York Times article? So this is the puff piece that everyone got really, really mad about. Uh, So there's this New York Times puff piece that talked about how Sam bankman Fried's empire collapsed. Uh, And uh, even though you didn't uh, subscribe to New York Times, I still pulled out a couple lines. Uh, One of the reasons why, according to the New York Times, that FTX's empire collapsed was that it expanded too fast and that they failed to see warning signs. How does that how does that land with you, Ryan? How does
0: that land with me? It does not want me to make me want to subscribe to the New York Times.
1: Uh, and then the, the the a comment on the article that was from another article was that this whole article just uses soft passive language to disguise blame at every single turn. Uh, and okay. so there's there's a tweet that I thought was pretty useful from uh, Trung Fan that said that looks like did the command F on the words fraud, Enron, crime, illiquid, stolen, hidden, criminal, or backdoor. To see if any of these words showed up in the New York Times article, and none of them did. Uh, some for some reason they talked about him getting sleep. Now, I now I personally read this uh, article, Ryan, of course, uh, and like while that point definitely stands that the there is no word fraud or theft in this article, it actually wasn't as puff piecey as I kind of thought it was. I don't know if you've read this article or got your take on it, but uh, like it was an acceptable account of. Things that happened in FTX that could have been more scathing, but was a little bit rounded edges. But I still thought it was an acceptable like account of what happened. Anyway, that's my okay.
0: Check. So you don't think this was as much of a it's puffy, not super
1: this. puffy. It's just not as deadly as it should have been.
0: It's kind of funny because I do feel like many of the biases out of uh the new york times mm. uh, wall street journal these other sources are very crypto, crypto unfriendly yes and have been um mm. for crypto's entire life cycle you would have expected now that they actually have a smoking gun gun ah we found the scammer the biggest right. scammer in like right. maybe modern banking history uh they would have gone hardcore after not only crypto mm. but also the scammer right uh themselves and a it kind of begs the question of why we got a different outcome here. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Was, Are there more examples of this?
1: Yeah. So Liz, this is, remember when uh, Sam Bankman-Fried turned, uh, <laughs> what do I call him Sam? Uh, SBF wrote that uh, an apology uh, to his employees and, it, and like it got sent out in a bunch of screenshots. Yes. So Liz Hoffman of the Wall Street Journal uh, tweets out these screenshots. She wasn't the source, but she tweets out the screenshots to make some commentary. Uh, and <laughs> she follows up and says, well, this mostly makes sense to me. Uh, after Sam gave the account for how FTX ran out of funds. And like, he's like, yeah, we had a leverage position. The market's turned against us. Our assets became less than our liabilities. Uh, and then he does, he does his napkin math accounting, which is embarrassing because he doesn't even know how much FTX has in his books. And then Liz Hoffman of the Wall Street Journal responds, this mostly makes sense to me. FTX had a lot of collateral, sixty billion, against not that many liabilities. The problem that the collateral was mon- monopoly money, and the liabilities were real money That's real basic bankless stuff. <laughs> Excuse me, banking ba- stuff. Banking stuff. <laughs> uh, that's not what happened, Liz. <laughs> that's not well, what happened well, at number all. Number one is
0: you never trust a Hoffman, so I, I think that's. Uh, she needs to change that's her part name. Part of the problem. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not changing my name. Wow, that's that's an interesting take. Um, okay, but you get a lot of bad takes on on crypto, I guess. Not every Mainstream media, journalist publication mm-hmm. is going to have, I guess, great takes on this. Um, what is this from Forbes that we're looking at?
1: Forbes, Alameda CEO Caroline Ellison is a math whiz who loves Harry Potter and risk. <laughs> Wait, when did this? When was this published? <laughs> <laughs> November eighteenth. Oh my god, dude!
0: <laughs> wow, among other things, and scamming customers and using depositors' funds,
1: and wow, also a math whiz and loves Harry Potter. Again, cool if you actually read this full length of the article, you actually yes. do. You actually do get this image of like, oh, Caroline totally like effed up, and this is totally her fault. But the headline is that she is a math whiz who loves Harry Potter and risk <laughs> is absurd. Wow, that is silly. Um, okay, okay. What, this, the tweet this is was this not is, taken down. The tweet was not taken down. No, uh, but okay. So here's my favorite one. Uh, this, which is which is, which is it's the Washington Post. Before FTX collapsed, founder poured millions into pandemic prevention. <laughs> And so he, Most
0: of these initiatives have come to a sudden halt. Yes, yes. Yeah, uh-huh.
1: they have. Uh, so so I, I'm going to read an excerpt from this. Uh, when the coronavirus <laughs> pandemic hit and the world shut down in the spring of 2020, many mourned the loss of life, jobs, and normalcy. Sam Bankman-Fried, then a 28-year-old cryptocurrency entrepreneur, and his brother Gabe, a 25-year-old congressional staffer, said the pandemic provided them with something else, an opportunity to make a difference. Harnessing the enormous wealth created by FTX, the cryptocurrency exchange that SBF had founded, they undertook a project to spend potentially billions of dollars on pandemic prevention, a long-neglected priority on Capitol Hill, even amidst the coronavirus crisis. What is this reporting, dude? I don't know. I don't know. That, I mean, this
0: is either very lazy rep- like reporting or just um, completely out of touch with what's actually happening. But did this just say that Sam had a brother... Who is a 25-year-old congressional staffer? Yeah, that's actually news to me. I didn't know that. I did not know that. His brother, Gabe, is a congressional staffer. Yeah, and this family's all over the place, man. Like, all over the place, like, embedded in some of the largest institutions that run the United
1: States, is what you mean by all over the place. Yes, that is what I mean. Uh, Okay, and so, uh, Ryan, did you know tomorrow SBF is meant to appear at a New York Times conference? I did know this. Yeah. Uh, so that is, is how ha- that's happening tomorrow.
0: It's happening virtually,
1: I believe. Is so it not actually okay? Well, that out. that makes sense because I believe that's the case. <laughs> Remember, but Sam Bankman Fried's tweet to see about CZ is like, is that even, guy even allowed in the United States? Uh, well, pretty sure Sam Bankman Fried is not supposed to go to the United States anymore. Did you see the speaker list for this? By the way, this looks like a total pose. I don't know if it's like. Are you seeing any amphetamines on the desk? Um, uh, there is a picture of amphetamines on the desk that we'll come to later. That'll be at the end okay. of the show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks. You really doesn't... delivered on this agenda. <laughs> yeah. um, do, did you see who else was, was
0: with him? In... Uh, no. Okay. So I think I, I tweeted out kind of a, a list of the other people who are attending this conference at the same time. Because it's kind of like, a, uh, who's who's this? Oh, here we go. Look at this.
1: Okay. Mayor of Eric New York Adams, City. Eric Adams mayor. All right.
0: Uh, let's Larry see. Fink, oh, CEO great. of BlackRock. Reed Hastings. Oh, Janet Yellen. Netflix, I'm suing her. Janet Yellen, <laughs> Mike Pence, Zuck. Um, Zuck, Zelensky. Wow. And also SBF. Wow. And I'm just surprised he hasn't been uninvited, honestly. Um, I don't know. Like, what do, you, what do you think about this? Like, you're in kind of the content uh, game. SBF has been on the Bankless podcast before, yep. huh. um, before all of this came to light. I'm not convinced that we wouldn't have him on again. I, I think he deserves an accounting. To the crypto industry, to just like somebody to just be yeah. like, what did you do and why did you do this? So I, I
1: did DM Sam when he was talking to who was he talking to? Uh, Dave Portnoy. Uh, Dave Portnoy. <laughs> was like, I'm gonna yes. do I'm gonna do a, an interview with Sam Bankman Fried, and I sent uh, Sam in Twitter DMs that tweet, and I was like, if you go on any media like thing that's not a crypto media thing, uh, crypto media platform to talk to to and about crypto. Like no one's ever like. It, I mean, he was beyond the point of repair at that point. But it's basically like you have to come talk to the crypto industry and apologize to us. And he, of course, didn't didn't answer that. He so been yes. accounting for your actions. Right. So would I? Would we have SBF on? Uh, I think so because also we're not the New York Times who is apparently conflicted and not sober about what happened, and we would actually ask the right questions. But why?
0: I I just still don't understand why would New York Times, Washington Post, why would they be giving him the softball treatment? Um. Is there an
1: answer to that there, question? There is not a concrete answer, but there is a bunch of data that points to a very plausible answer. Uh, and that answer is money. money. Surprise. Surprise. Money. Uh, but okay. before, before we get to that point, there's like a few more tweets that I want to get to. Did, did you see the Matt Walsh tweet that just went absolutely viral? Uh, I did. Yes. This is Matt Walsh
0: um, correcting yes. the Wall Street Journal. By the <laughs> way, this is so for people who can't see on the podcast, this is the Wall Street Journal, front page of the Wall Street Journal and the um the the title the headline on the front page is FTX collapse wiped out founders philanthropic aims okay and this is published November 25th so black friday the day after you're having your thanksgiving the 25th meal 25th or the 23rd uh this says on the top here November 25th okay okay cool i got the glasses david not I you do not have the i glasses. got the seat this is <laughs> clearer than 2020 to me all right these glasses really help um FTX's FDX, collapse wiped out founders' philanthropic aims, and Matt Walsh revises this headline with something else. What does he, what does he say?
1: Yeah, so in big bold sharpie, he writes, "FTX's fraud wiped out customer money." Again, <laughs> this is the thing that mainstream media can't figure out. No, this it's is not, ludicrous. It's not that complicated. What happened? Fraud on the twi- on the twenty fifth too
0: of November. Like huh. this is very clear what SBS yes. been up to. Like evidence has mounted. Like I can't—I can't—how did this make it off of the press floor?
1: This is after the Vox article where SBF said, yeah, the whole, like, woke, liberal, like, effective altruism donation things was just a front. That's <laughs> after he told us this. <laughs> is this—okay, I'm still not convinced that this isn't just lazy—laziness. It could be just be laziness. Do you think it, it is? It's pretty damn—I mean, if, if it is laziness, then what is the state of modern-day journalism, Ryan. I don't know. Like,
0: what are they doing? I, so here's the thing. I've um I've always rejected um when people have referred to bankless as journalists. I've always rejected that. We are not because, journalists because like I feel like journalists should be at a much higher held to a much higher standard than bankless. Is. <laughs> All right, we are investors trying to figure this out on the jer- on yeah. the journey, right? A thesis sometimes, driven media company. Yeah. So sometimes we're trying to interpret uh events as they come in. But, like, we are not doing in depth investigative reporting. That's for these guys to do. Right. I thought that's what these institutions were set up to do. The Wall Street Journal, New York Times, Washington Post. Aren't they supposed to, like, get to the meat of the story and uncover the facts
1: and uh, give us some distillation of this? Um, <laughs> this is not the headline that's doing that, David. Yeah. Uh, I, I would say to put it into a, a single sentence Bankless is would write an article that says ether is ultrasound money and a investigative journalist would write an article that says is ether ultrasound money those are two <laughs> yeah. different things after we meme it, <laughs> after or, we meme it. That. Yeah. okay so that
0: that begs the question then we're getting back to which is like why is the media like this right what hap- why are they doing this um, what's the reason for this kind of reporting? And you said you whispered into the mic just now, money. Money. What 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 are we looking at from Elon Musk? Yeah, so here here's
1: right? Elon Musk saying if SBF was as good at running a crypto exchange as he was at bribing media, FTX would still be solvent, which has almost thirty thousand likes. Good good so tweet. Good tweet. Elon. That
0: is an explanation. It's mm-hmm. bribing media. What does that mean? what, what does it take to bribe media?
1: Well, I'd love to ask SPF this. He did this in a variety of different capacities. Uh, and so uh, there's this intercept um, journalist uh, journalism thing, uh, which this uh, subtitle for The Intercept is Fearless Adversarial Journalism That Holds the Powerful Accountable. Uh SPF donated $3.25 million to the Intercept. Uh there is this... wait, is this like a nonprofit? The Intercept nonprofit. No, it, it's a like it, oh maybe it's a nonprofit. I actually don't know. It's definitely a media, an investigative media institution. Whether it's a nonprofit or not, I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Uh let it, oh, it's a nonprofit news organization founded by Glenn Greenwald. Cool. Um Yep. Okay. So there's that. Uh, the next in the list, Semaphore, a new journalism project created by Ben Smith, the, formerly the media columnist at the New York Times, and before that, the ins- editor-in-chief of BuzzFeed. Uh, yes. SBF gave a grant to Semaphore. A um, grant. Yeah. Remember, uh, And then, Ryan, remember Trustless Media? We covered this uh, very briefly yes. on a weekly roll-up a long time ago. It was a It raised money to start yes. a media company in crypto, called Trustless Media, which I took offense to because my Twitter name is <laughs> Trustless State. Um, but we talked about them anyways because it was a good raise. Uh, high production, uh, and they were actually the first— The Bankless Killer. The, yeah, the Bankless Killer. Yeah, that was like kind of the wink-wink. Uh, they were also the first organization that did the first big piece on Do Quan after the terror collapse. They, that was their episode zero. They like, and were somehow got Do Quan to do an interview after—, after uh, God, look at that photo, man. What the hell? After Terra collapsed, uh, they got the first scoop with Do Kwon. Um, you remember this? Yes, I totally do. Well, guess who led the round of Trustless Media? I th- you're going to tell me what I already know, but why don't you tell everyone else? It was Sam Bankman-Fried. Sam Bankman-Fried, <laughs> yes, FTX CEO, leads Trustless Media's seed round to help build community-owned Web3 shows. Can, we, does that, can you go back to the old website? Does that look community-owned to you? <laughs> Well, this is what Bankless could look like if we actually had some
0: uh, fantastic value. If we actually raised money, yeah, (laughs) yeah, raised money. (laughs) I, you know, look, uh, he's going for something here, right? Like, I I guess I get it, but um, is this is this effectively what it means to buy media? Is you kind of write checks, Mm -hmm. uh, grants uh, through sponsorship, and when you can't get any forays into crypto, you kind of found and create your own crypto native web three media companies is this effectively what it means
1: i guess so yeah i mean i I would imagine there's a bunch of sponsors out there who are like we'll totally sponsor your like media org and like run commercials but you have to do this this and this can can you talk can you talk about that so um i feel like we
0: have um we have an idea of what this looks like because we are Mm -hmm. actually running a media company right and so like we have sponsors That pay for our show. I I, I guess I will um, talk about that for a minute. Sure. Our our policy and our approach to sponsorship is always has always been like you have to be willing to fire your sponsors at any time. You can't let them own you. That that's policy number one. Right. And so we've you're, always you are
1: never beholden to sponsors.
0: Never be beholden to, to sponsors. Right? Don't be ever put yourself in a place where you uh, require a check from a set of sponsors in order to exist and push your message forward, right? Rather be in a place where you can select and pick your sponsors as you go and drop those that don't align with your values and retain those that, that do. So that's something that I, I feel like we've worked hard at Bankless to do. And in order to do that, you have to like keep small, stay scrappy, maintain profitable over, be, be profitable over time and kind of establish a, a reputation because I think you can very easily be put in a place where you're owned by sponsors. You can also be put in a place where you're owned by uh, your investors as well. And so um, I think this is a challenge if you are funded by like a billionaire, Jeff Bezos, or somebody in the crypto. Like This example of Trustless Media was funded by SBF. really hard to write a, uh, a piece on SBF or comment and talk about SBF if you're actually funded by the guy alameda right so that's another thing that um we've avoid, avoided doing and um i guess you know our policy towards sponsors has always been just like um fire any of them if we have to yep. right and so we have let sponsors go in the past um don't sell to the highest bidder never never receive sponsorship for like um content that paid content so right Paid content is an absolute no no, like always has been for Bankless. Can, we, can you
1: define paid content? Because when we were talking, when we had our Bitboy show, people were like, Bankless receives money for their sponsors. What the hell is the, the difference between what we were talking with Bitboy? What the is saying that? Ryan, what is paid content?
0: Yeah, paid content means like it looks like it's organic content, right? So let's say we wrote an article on Bankless and it looked like it was organic content. But it was really funded by some sponsor, FTX or something like this, and yeah. so it was—it was actually a puff piece, right. right? Um, or or a podcast, a show. Let's say the reason we're having so and so on a show is because um, they have paid to be on the show, something right. like that, and so. Disclosed or undisclosed, and then disclosed or undisclosed. I if, think if part it of is res-
1: disclosed, like that's one business model. As long as you're ex- extremely explicit about it, uh, the, I agree. The-
0: but even then, it can become kind of a, a slippery yeah. slope, right. right? Of like you're just but you're disclosing it, but like so. We have never done paid content pieces. We always segment our sponsors as like, hey, this is a sponsor. Like it's very clear when Bankless runs an ad. Like these are these are uh, advertisers. Anyway, it's not perfect, right? But um, it is a way to put some firewalls in our media entity so that we can't be purchased by a Sandbank freed or an FTX, right. right? And I think that becomes hard uh, over time if you know, maybe you're an established institution, you're, you're, your revenue's down, your subscribers are down, all of these things, there's mounting pressure. And so there can be external pressures that, that cause you to take sponsor funds that you wouldn't ordinarily take. Right. Um, We've been we've always tried to be very diligent on that and like make sure that, that um we're firewalled off from that and we don't have that that kind of risk. Um and I think other crypto media entities do that fairly well. Um so I guess that is how you buy buy media though, mm-hmm. right? You could right. like pay for content, pay pay for a puff piece, you could donate to the right right people, you can um you spend on sponsorship money with kind of the wink wink nudge nudge, oh, you're gonna cover us favorably right. if we spend on you it's right. that sort of thing
1: oh i have a I have plenty to talk about there, and actually balaji has plenty to talk about there uh because this balaji I think did a pretty good like autopsy of the whole like confusion as to like is the media mainstream media paid off is it not what the hell is going on uh so he put a, a thread together which which i w- i want to read. Uh, and then he also gets into some uh, some technical, some, like, legal terms, which uh, he says, like, if you lost money in FTX, you should be familiar with these terms, which I will go through. Uh, Ryan, you want to share Balaji's thread while I go through this?
0: Oh, yeah. I was just looking at it here. Let me share my screen. This is Balaji now.
1: Yeah. Okay. So Balaji says, the net result of FTX is that billions of dollars were stolen from crypto investors to give Democrat-aligned politicians, nonprofits, and journalists. This is why there may be no prosecution. So what? this brings us to kind of the punchline of the whole episode. Why isn't SBF in jail? Well, because he spent hundreds of millions of dollars on political organizations, PACs, nonprofits, and journalists. Uh, can,
0: I, can I just pause? This is a stronger articulation of what you just yes. said. Because part of the answer of why isn't SBF in jail mm-hmm. um, is just because it's too soon. Like, like we have to prove this case. just to be arrested. Like, we have to mm-hmm. have some probable cause before arresting him, all of these things. But Balaji's making the case that he may never go to jail. Right. In fact, there might never be prosecution here. Mm-hmm. So let's segment that out. It's not that SBF isn't in jail now. It's that he might never face accountability mm-hmm. for his actions. Right. So, yeah, go on. What does Balaji
1: say? Yeah, so Balaji, of course, asked the question, so why is SBF so protected? Uh, and answers, he was basically Soros Jr., just with stolen customer money and evidently bought off entire media non-profit political and regulatory establishments uh the author of this article that uh, blogs is linking uh linking is he says a born rich journalist so he knows uh, of Sam Bankman-Fried's milieu his like you know uh comrades if you will uh, the and, author of what uh the article that he is uh, he is uh, citing in this tweet right here okay um uh, and so the the article says, the optics would look awful if SPF is giving away money to whiz kid political projects, just as millions of FTX customers lose their deposits. Uh, and then Balaji says, the overall picture you get is of rats scurrying around now that SPF's money has been cut off and very much not wanting to defraud crypto investors to claw back those stolen funds. We'll get into what a clawback is in a second. Um, and so Bellagi continues and says, "The stage is set for an absolutely insane zero sum match on one side, one million crypto investors robbed of ten millions of dollars by SBF on the other side, a network of dark money Democrats who will fight to keep as much of those stolen funds as possible so this tension is one of the big answers to the question as to why sbf isn 't arrested yet, and this is the, the juxtaposition if you believe Bellagi, if you believe this this angle of things is that we have, you know, a bunch of people who would like their money back because it was stolen from them by SBF and crew. Uh, and then there's a bunch of uh, political organizations who now have a bunch of money and would like to stay in power and not give that money back because, you know, we need money to stay in power. Uh, and so Belagio continues and says the bankruptcy case may play out on social media. Crypto investors to, to get FTX funds back may hire lawyers like Irving Picard, who clawed back 75 cents on the dollar for Madoff's victims, Bernie Madoff's victims. Uh, and so who would they claw the money back from? Of course, it's the groups that SBF funded. Uh, and so uh, just uh, continue a few more th- uh, tweets here. The fundamental question is, when did SBF start stealing from customers and how much did he steal? And Ryan, like throughout the reporting, we've there's pretty strong indications that the fraud of FTX actually started... All the way back in 2021, because if you remember, Alameda Research posted a net loss of three billion dollars on their tax returns on 2021.
0: full year for crypto. Right, lose
1: money and and SBF started shooting from the hip with political donations before 2022, back in 2021, and so SBF was sending. While his big hedge fund, Alameda, was taking the the, uh, fat L, he was still spending a ton of money on political donations, on nonprofits, on media entities. And so this fraud might might go as far back as uh, uh, money being spent in 2021. So that's crazy. Uh, And so Blasi says this can only be answered by forensic accounting. So hopefully that is, uh, you know, some forensic analysis that's going on right now. Uh, and so uh, on his uh, one, one more tweet. Yeah. One more tweet. Uh, he goes, the list of all the donations Wait before this, David, huh?
0: it says the headline amount given to Democrat politicians is 37 million, mm-hmm. but understates it. FTX foundation alone mm-hmm. was 190 million. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Uh, yeah. That
1: is getting to Soros level donations here. Right? Yeah. And so the next tweet Sixty-nine million million in political donations, mostly to Democrats, but also to some Republicans. $109 million to a foundation, that's the FTX. $128 million to a political action committee. Uh, You know that political action committee? You know which one that is, Ryan?
0: I'm sure it was protecting DeFi freedoms uh it. it
1: was it was what was it uh shit where's my notes uh it's i can't remember the, the title it's like fight for freedom it's something with f- it's two f's fight for freed <laughs> <laughs> it's uh it's his mom's super pack or pack. oh cool <laughs> yeah so he sent 120 120- <laughs> throw a little uh nepotism in there exactly he sent 128 million dollars to his mom's political action well committee. he's
0: buying his parents houses in the bahamas right. they're in on this yes. too right
1: yeah uh-huh uh-huh wow right uh okay actually yeah, wait. But like,
0: okay but one one piece for this, David. Mm-hmm. What I wasn't aware of, in going through Belagi's tweet, is the clawback potential here. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, mind mind, the, mind the, Sorry, mind the gap was uh, the pack that was started, started by Bankman, Sam Bankman Fried's money, which received one hundred twenty-eight million
0: dollars. What do what does mind the gaps
1: do? Mind the gap. Exactly. Uh, let me quickly Google. Protect people from like metros, subways. I don't step out <laughs> too far. <laughs> Uh, Left wing super PAC dedicated to helping Democratic political candidates win elections. Okay, so this is also a political
0: yes. uh, donation yes. here. Yes. Okay, the clawback piece is the part that's new yes. to me. I didn't realize that that could be, right. this money could be clawed back, which maybe lends some credence because I've always been like, why is mainstream media now, once this guy's ship is sunk, why are, rather than distancing themselves and condemning him and pretending like they are part of the group that's always hated? sbf or always thought he was suspect i would i would anticipate that's the default reaction mainstream media but blagy's saying it's maybe it's because they don't want their money to be clawed back
1: exactly yeah so if you actually scroll down a few more uh, tweets uh t- titles this tweet the crypto clawback anyone with money on ftx may want to learn the following terms clawback look back fraudulent conveyance unjust enrichment voidable preference Now, right, I went ahead and did some Googling. So I've got some of these terms to find here. So if anyone listening has uh, lost money in FTX and is curious as to what these means, here we go. Are you a lawyer now, David? I'm so such a lawyer, armchair Bankless is not legal (laughs) advice. It's time to remind you. I'm just reading definitions here. Uh, (laughs) Clawback. Uh, The term clawback refers to any money or benefits that have been given out but are required to be returned due to special circumstances or events such as the monies having been received as a result of a financial crime. Wow, that seems relevant. <laughs> <Huh>. <laughs> uh, fraudulent conveyance, the transfer of property for the express purpose of putting it beyond the reach of creditors, making creditors have to bring a lawsuit to, uh, to the courts in order to void the transfer. So uh, making it hard to get yes. your claw back? Yes, exactly. Unjustly enrichment. When party A confers a benefit to party B without party B providing proper restitution, a.k.a. an unequal exchange of value, for example, uh, the recipients of political donations from FTX who did not provide an equal and opposite return of value for those donations, therefore implying that the actual compensation was political protection. Um, Wait, 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 wait. Isn't that all political donations? (laughs) Isn't that what lobbyists do legally? (laughs) Well, okay. Know, it depends on definitions. Uh, all right. And then voidable preference. When there is a transfer of assets to a creditor shortly before a debtor files for bankruptcy protection, the recipient of these assets must return them to the bankruptcy estate.
0: Basically, if you kind of withdrew from FTX yeah. and you were able to get your funds out or something yeah. like this, um, yeah. that would be voidable preference. Yep. So all of these things seem kind of bad if you got money from FTX. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So so if anyone is listening who got money from FTX, you have to give it back. (laughs) That's probably uh, right. They have to prove
0: this in court. And I guess you're trying to disprove it in court. Yeah. How does that?
1: Yeah. But if you're trying to disprove it, that you have to give it back. Who are you? Because that is credit. Like that's customer's money. (laughs) (laughs) You kind of suck, right? Yeah. You kind of suck. Yeah. Well, somebody's got to take the L. Mm-hmm. Somebody does have to take the L. So maybe it should be
0: depositors then. That's what some of these do- donation recipients are probably going to argue in court.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I want to speed run through the rest of this uh, show. Uh, okay, so uh, $5 million donated to Joe Biden for the 2021 uh, presidential campaign. Yes. Uh, 2022 midterm election cycle. Uh, $40 million donated to mostly Democratic politicians, making him the uh, second-largest financial backer after George Soros. Uh, Go he, on. <laughs> he's also uh, paid for a speaking opportunity to sit on stage with none other than Bill Clinton. Uh, oh, Bill! Yeah. But FTX U.S. Hey, this all- is Tony Blair, too. Not oh, just Tony Bill. Blair, look at that, yeah. Uh, FTX uh, U.S. also donated three-quarters of a million dollars to Congressional Leadership Fund and $150,000 to the American Patriots PAC. These are uh, Republican uh, uh, um, entities, right? Right. Uh, According to a Bloomberg report, FTX donated $1 million to the Senate Leadership Fund, a super PAC associated with Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell. uh, And uh, it just goes on and on and on. I do want to shout out to Beto O'Rourke, who returned $1 million that was donated by SPF. uh, The money on October 11th, SPF sent Beto O'Rourke $1 million, uh, but that $1 million was returned not not after FTX imploded, but before, because the contribution was unsolicited and campaign, and the uh, campaign's upcoming report would show that this uh, one million dollar donation was returned on November fourth. So I just want to do a tip of the hat to Beto O'Rourke for returning O'Rourke, yeah. O'Rourke, thank you for returning one million dollars because it didn't pass the sniff test. Well done. Wait, you could do that if well you're done. a politician. Yes, you could return you, money you that you received that looks shady. Back yes, you can give money back. Huh. That seems counterproductive.
0: I don't know about this, David. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So what do you think the psychology of all of this is? I know I know, you wanted to talk about this and I, I've seen a lot of, um, you know, armchair psychological profiles. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about like amphetamines playing a role, I'm talking about the psyche of a sandbag. Mm-hmm. I think, look, I guess the goal here in like people are like, why do you even care about the psychology of this person right. i for for me it's just about it's also about um kind of looking for the early warning signs, seeing sort of the patterns, so uh the crypto industry doesn't get duped again mm-hmm. because this k- keeps happening, and I feel like it's it's even now it's it's still happening right. people in crypto like there are other megalomaniac scammers that the crypto industry is still propping up, like mm-hmm. even now. And so, yeah, what are your thoughts on the kind of the psychology of this situation? What was SBF thinking? What's his profile?
1: Yeah, so I, I remember that uh, crypto grifters uh, video that I made on that, uh, that short video. And I talked yes. about like the common denominators behind all of the grifters of crypto. Like what what draws them all together? Uh, and there are some elements of Sam Bankman Fried's story that is very, very much the same as all of them. Uh, but there's also some some unique ones. Right. Uh, So, like, uh, let's see. Did I put that tweet in there? No, I don't think I did. Um, So, like, uh, Doquan, massively bombastic individual, clearly was, like, really stroking his ego while, uh, like, the Luna price was going up through the roof. And he also had this, like, massive army of lunatics, self-described lunatics, that just, like, enabled the hell out of him. As in, like, he couldn't do anything wrong because any tweet that he would tweet would immediately get, like, 10,000 likes and a bunch of people just, like, piling on on whatever, like, thing that, that Doquan would produce, right? Like, this is the story of Daniel Sesta. This is, like, the story of Three Capital. There's, like, these people in crypto that their ego is too, like, it's too, like, when it gets big and inflated, they love it and they want more. And we saw this same sort of behavior with SBF, even though, like, it kind of threw us all for a loop because, like, here's this modest guy in, like, a sweaty T-shirt and New Balances and cargo shorts. And he's plastering his image about effective altruism all over the world. And it was, like, it was different from Theros Capital. It was different from Do Kwon. It was different from Daniel Sesta. But it was still, like, SBF. The character SBF, the ego was large, uh, and some people definitely called SBF out, but not as you know, not it wasn't as obvious as you know DoQuan, for example, right? Do you know
0: by the way where I first saw this massive contrast between SBF and um, and some of the others is like when we had that conversation uh, after all of this unfolded with Jesse Powell from mm-hmm. Kraken, yeah, another exchange founder, but incredibly understated, yes, like he is Honest not like guy trader god um savior of crypto persona is he's almost like kind of in the background working and there's such a contrast there between jesse powell and an SBF. but
1: yeah go on so uh there's a the article i found that i actually did not see circulate on crypto twitter while i was making this agenda uh ryan did you know that ftx employed a therapist on staff for 32 hours a week just for coaching services to ftx employees
0: I didn't. I I had heard this. Was it? Could this therapist prescribe medication as well? I believe they could. Or if this is someone else.
1: Um. So if you are a therapist, you can uh, prescribe very limited medication. It's a psychiatrist that can uh, prescribe medication. And this person is uh, not a psychiatrist. This person is not a psychiatrist. psychiatrist. Okay. They they were just a therapist. Okay. Um. Uh. And so there's this quote from the uh, the article that I'll read. Um. And if you think you're screen sharing, Ryan, you're not uh <laughs> some I can't open it i don't have the new york times uh, oh so that's right okay. do it. so uh, <laughs> Sad. and so in the, in this article uh so the the therapist uh was first off very surprised as to the events that took place uh when really pe- when people said that like oh yeah spf is like this sociopath who has zero empathy for anyone that was a surprise to him and so like huh. while it would be like super easy to be like uh SPF is this like insane character and like we all saw it coming and like he was just like it was blah 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 it's actually not it's much more nuanced the, the therapist was uh w- he had a uh, when asking about the the culture at FTX uh Dr. Lenner is his name uh let's see what's the full name uh, i can't remember dr lenner says it was a very tame place uh the higher-ups uh this was also asking about like uh the perhaps like orgies that were going on if you heard those rumors <laughs> uh yes. dr lenner said it was a very tame place ftx was the higher-ups they mostly played chess and board games there was no partying they were undersexed. if anything that's a direct <laughs> quote oh, wow uh, you know, those people really felt like it was a family," said the doctor. "I think that's why this is so devastating for all of us for this to be over," uh, citing about the kind of the culture at FTX that it was like very much a family thing. Um, but also, if you cross-reference that with a few other things, um, FTX employees lived in a uh, it lived in a uh, palatial. How do you? What is that word? Uh, palatial. Palatial. Oh, it's just
0: palatial group house. Like. Uh, yep.
1: Yeah a palatial group house, several, several of them uh, used to be in romantic relationships with one another. Uh, And of course, this is where SBF uh, had rumored to be dating uh, Caroline Ellison, the the CEO, right? Okay. So group housing, they all, they all dated each other. Uh, And then also, of course, there is just the rampant use of amphetamines, which has come out post FTX collapse that the leadership totally encouraged employees to take like any sort of like amphetamine. They had like, like, Intimate knowledge of, well, this amphetamine does this to you if you want to do this. This amphetamine does that to you if you want to do that. Okay, so we have, we have, we have SBF and, and Caroline, and they're, they're living together. There's, like, group dating going on. Uh, they are spending all of their time together. It's starting to sound kind of like a cult. And so this is when groupthink takes over. And this is when, like, the same, what I was talking to with, like, the frog army that was enabling Do Kwan. Well, this group of people just enabled themselves. And they were on, like, you saw Sam Bankman-Fried when we had him on with Eric Voorhees. And then there was, like, 17 other interviews where the guy is literally vibrating. Yeah, and so if you're your taking teammates. too much amphetamines, like, you cannot actually come to terms with what reality is. Uh, and so this is probably part of one of the big reasons why FTX got as crazy as it was, is, is drug use, dude. Like, it's insane. Uh, and so like the, the, there was this uh, picture, I think it was like uh, Autism Capital on Twitter, which I know is an interesting uh, Twitter handle name, that uh, found this one drug uh, called uh, Srom Srom or something? MSAM. 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 How do you spell that? MSAM. <S-A-M>. Yeah, yeah. <S-A-M>.
0: yeah. It's a, a combination of uh, M. And Sam
1: is yeah. kind of the name. It's because the the creator of this named it after his children. Wow. Well, fact. the fact the fact that it's Sam is in there is pretty interesting. Um, so the 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 like listed um, what do you call it? The side effects of this thing is like risk taking and gambling behavior, uh, yeah. and like basically everything that like like you would. St- Put into like a fraudulent company that is like a, ba- a gigantic. Casino. Well, it probably exacerbated all of this mm-hmm. I,
0: I think what's interesting about what you just said, though, is um there is kind of this char- caricature afterwards of uh, clear so- sociopath, clear psychopath. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting if this, if you could believe what this therapist is saying, um, and he's not in himself being right. kind of, uh, yeah, I guess, delusional about it. Um, his therapist did not think so. Yeah, the therapist. It's didn't very think interesting, so. yeah. right? Like, so either he was very good at fooling a large number of people um or maybe the portrait of him being sort of pure sociopath psychopath is not accurate um i'm not sure i i know which which would be more interesting for hollywood to cover is definitely the like drug drug orgy Mm. kind of line of thought so maybe that's what we'll see coming out of there
1: yeah. Uh, um,
0: you want me to share this tweet?
1: Yeah. So here here's the autism capital tweet that that it's, it identified the MSIM like wrapper uh, on uh, Sam's desk, uh, a drug normally used to treat depression or Parkinson's off label for its alertness and focus benefits. Uh, so I, I can actually tap into uh, some of my psychology background. Uh, so Parkinson's and depression is like a lack of dopamine. Uh, and so, uh, dopamine is highly associated with like attention and focus and also reward seeking behavior um, parkinson 's just happens to be a lack of dopamine, so if you increase your dopamine, like your parkinson 's symptoms go away uh, and so uh, this is why when some of the uh, the uh, things that uh, are Uh, uh, likely to happen uh, side effects thank you is the word i'm going for side effects is like impulse control because if you have this system that is tinkering with your reward pathways uh you are you can't control your impulses uh and so literally on this side on the side like the warnings of this drug are the the side effects of uncontrolled spending of money binge eating remember how spf got gained a ton of weight in the last like year um and other intense urges right uh and so All of these things are like adjacent to so many of the conversations that have been going on. And so like this is a story of like a kid without any like oversight, no parents in the room, enabled a bunch of his friends, didn't really think to have any sort of like controls over the funds of FTX. Uh, put a bunch of like-minded friends in the same room. They all lived together. They all started using amphetamines to be high performers. Uh, and eventually it just got too much. It was just like one gigantic crescendo and eventually it blew up.
0: Uh, what's interesting about all of this is that's probably the legal defense I would use if, if I'm Oh, I,
1: I do not think that is a legal defense.
0: I don't know, man. It was the drugs. They made me crazy. It's a side effect. Look at all of this. Uh, I don't know. I mean, which brings us to, I guess, kind of the the final thought for this episode. And the question we started with is SBF going to jail? Um, why is he not already in jail? So uh what what do you think about this? All all the like fact patterns considered. So we've got somebody who is clearly doing um <laughs> it's clearly illegal activity, certainly unethical activity, um, ripping off millions of people, billions of dollars. Um, you know, give a huge black eye to the industry. It caused I don't know how many crypto banks to enter Chapter Eleven Block Five just early this week entered Chapter Eleven going bankrupt from this destroyed lives. I uh, wouldn't be surprised if there was like personal injury uh, in some destroyed lives as a result of this. Like caused a lot of harm and pain to a lot of people. Um, not in jail, maybe uh, getting softball treatment from some in mainstream media as a result of of what? What are the motivations here? Political donations? Uh, you know something else? Like wanting to prevent clawbacks, that's Blasi's theory anyway. And then we've got like kind of a, a psychological, uh, I guess, profile starting to emerge here. How do you think this ends? Does SBF actually go to jail?
1: I mean, I don't. I'm not an expert in this particular matter. On like the odds of whether he ends in jail or not, I think the thought that I do have is, I know you and I are both big fans of Ray Dalio's um book about uh, the changing world orders. And what did what did Ray Dalio do to write this book? He went back in time. To look at uh when empires rise and fall and why do they rise and fall uh and there was a part uh i think he, even in his earlier book which talked about the fall of the roman empire and talk and he said that people were aware of the decline of the roman empire before it collapsed like people saw the writing on the walls right and one of those one of the big writings on the walls were like people just started to become blatantly corrupt and they stopped caring about public opinion they, they instead of doing things you know behind closed doors they just did it out in the open uh, and that was like one, it's like one of the last symptoms of like a falling empire is like Just total t- corruption, total, total blatant corruption, and no one cares. Uh, and that's like the last thing that happens before everything breaks down. And like, I every time I see like Nancy Pelosi making public trades about laws that she's about to enact, that's what I think of. And now when I see SBF sending out hundreds of millions of dollars to political organizations and the political organizations are like, well, we don't want to give it back because we want to stay in power, which is basically just like giving a thumbs up to fraud, saying, hey, thanks for the fraud because you gave us a hundred million dollars. I'm thinking the same thing, man.
0: Just the end stage. Late stage
1: stage empire. Debt cycle, late stage empire Mm -hmm. problem.
0: Mm -hmm. We've got corruption in the system. Yeah. So. I, I think you'd say that if SBF is not held to account, not prosecuted for this. Right. I mean, on the flip side of this, all right, um, uh, Elizabeth Holmes, Theranos founder, just went to jail for 11 years.
1: Did okay. she, did she donate any money to political organizations? I don't know.
0: I, I guess it's probably too early to call at some level. But if this turns out to be a case where we get no prosecution and we have people like Alex Pertseff, who, let me just remind everyone listening right now, is a developer of open source privacy tools in crypto for Ethereum, developed a smart contract called Tornado Cash, is now in jail, has been in jail for three months, Uh, is going to be in jail for at least another three months, was brought to jail without charges, actually confiscated his, his material possessions. They went and they repoed his car, David, took his personal property. Okay, what's his crime? open source privacy tools for the world.
1: They repoed his car and SBF yeah. has 19 properties in the Bahamas. Let's see where it all falls out.
0: I you know, I'm a little hesitant right now because we don't know what's going to happen yet. L- the legal system does take time. L- let's put that out there. But if in 6 months time, a year's time, 2 years time, we have someone who has is so is so wealthy, is so well connected, Has given to the right politicians, and let's call it what it is: bribe the right people, such that this individual faces no consequences for their for their actions. This is late stage empire. This is blatant corruption, and I think we've already seen a number of those cases. Right, this goes back to kind of a Epstein didn't kill himself type stuff. Like it's another tremor, I guess. Um, Here's the thing, though, David. The the extra insidious part about this is the industry he did this in is crypto right and now so we get to the end of this and it feels um how in the world are we supposed to say you and i a technology that we believe in right protocols not people code not kings right how are we supposed to now defend crypto and say oh actually crypto is the way out of this Wait, if you're taking a surface level, you're telling me crypto's the way out of this?
1: Right. No, crypto, why, crypto is the enabled way, this.
0: <laughs> yeah. Crypto is the way SBF stole all of that money. And you're telling me crypto's the way out? You're telling me protocols can solve this? And we have to say, no, look, it's nuanced. This right. was another banker that was like entering crypto and he had custody of your keys. Like, if you don't give up your private keys, you know, then uh, you become the bank and you don't have to trust this other individual. And so, yeah, actually, crypto is the way out. That falls on death. Deaf ears right now, which is why I'm so infuriated in this particular case. Because um, man, how many years of like how many years have we been doing this podcast? Bankless to, to people F, yeah. how to take their private keys, go bankless, decentralized finance is the way out. Um, we don't have to trust third parties, like Sam Bank of and now here we are in crypto in the same. Thing. So I don't even feel like we're in a position to say. Oh, and all those problems that you just described, or some of those problems, a subset of those problems with late stage empire, late stage capitalism, all of these things, uh, and crypto is the way out. You have the corruption problems you have. Right. Well, you, like we need to create code that is not corruptible. It's uncorruptible. Like decentralization, what is it? It's corruption resistance technology. That's what it is, the bottom line. It's really hard to make the case for crypto at this point. Right.
1: Yeah. yeah because- <laughs> so, what do we do with that? People just like conflate these things, Um, but I I will take another leaf out of the pocket of uh, uh, the On the Brink podcast, where Matt was, Matt uh, Walsh was talking about this exact point, where uh, people would report, New York Times, mainstream media would report on uh, the collapse of FTX, and they they would be like, their reaction would be like, oh, it's it's so confusing. There's like these crypto things, and like there's these tokens, and like I'm just really confused about it. And Matt responded like it's not that confusing he stole 10 billion dollars <laughs> like yes. it wasn't it wasn't crypto it was yeah. what what caused the collapse of ftx a lack of regulation a lack of oversight and the fact that again the sec pushed all of this stuff offshore because the gary genslers of the world are like effing up their jobs and so like yes it's it's say oh DeFi fixes this is like such an old thing to say but at the end of the day, it's just like, that is the truth. I'm a fundamental believer that the truth always comes out because hiding the truth is always harder than than fabricating the truth. Owning the, your own private keys
0: would have fixed this. Yeah. You can't steal your money if it doesn't have your crypto, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So this is a, a harsh way to learn it. But um, that's why maybe he's not in jail. We'll have to see uh, where this goes from here. Anything else you want to say, David?
1: No, I had fun putting this agenda together. Uh, thanks for doing this man yeah i mean is this what i'd love to hear from the chat uh we usually reserve this show slot for guests but lately we felt that actually it's just better to just talk about the updated news over the last seven days so i'd love to hear from the chat what kind of content because like at some point we're not going to want to talk about ftx at some point we're going to want to go back to regular scheduled programming of bankless stuff i would love to hear from the chat uh what you guys want us to talk about
0: I think we're getting close to that, David. I I feel like um, this may take a little bit longer to heal, but I can't wait to go back to talking about like projects that are building in this space again, uh, and get back projects to uh, away from this us kind of drama. Bankless. Yeah, dude, I can't wait to honestly. Twenty twenty three starts. I can't wait in crypto anyway to leave twenty twenty two behind us, and like let's start rebuilding this thing right. Yeah. Uh, all right, guys, we appreciate you tuning in. As always, I got to say, none of this has been financial advice, nor legal advice, nor journalist advice. I don't know. And I'm also not a psychologist. <laughs> yeah, David's also not a psychologist. No medical <laughs> advice here either. Uh, as you know, we say this at the end of every show, ETH is risky, crypto is risky, so is Bitcoin, so is DeFi, so are centralized exchanges. For sure, you could lose what you put in, but we're headed west. This is the frontier. It's not for everyone, but thanks for joining us on The Bank Stream.